Shut up and sit down. Thank you so much for joining us here on another episode of Cinema from the Dark Side. I know we have been uh, gone for a while, and that's partly my fault. Well, actually, all my fault because I had a child, um, <laughs> and it's uh, it's been kind of wonky. But we're back. We're back doing what uh, we do here in the podcast. So let me welcome my guest, or my guest, my co-host, TJ. TJ, what's up? How's it going? Uh, dude, it's been a while. Like, I feel like it's my first time podcasting again. I know. It's been... Yeah, how many months? Uh, four. Four, yeah. Four months. I said two on the last episode. Oh, I, I doubled that. It's been a hot minute, yeah. Yeah. But we're back. Uh, hopefully, yeah, definitely want to continue doing these every other week like we did before. Same format. So uh, today we 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 will be talking about the uh, sequel, uh, Halloween, that came out in 2018. Uh, We have some interesting viewpoints on this movie, but first, as usual, we do have movie news, and I'm not going to do the soundboard effects anymore. It's just uh, annoying. Too much work. It is. Yeah, it's too much work. So (laughs) let's go ahead with movie news. First thing we have here is the Shining sequel, Dr. Sleep, is aiming for an R rating. Uh, we literally just found this piece of news not too long ago, uh, and me and TJ were both kind of surprised by the, we're like, sequel to The Shining, what the fuck? Uh, but after reading it and just summarizing the article, which again will be posted in the info, uh, of the podcast, uh, they basically just, like, summarize all of King's works, which is super annoying, but they go on to say, basically, uh, Dr. Sleep is... It takes place many years after the events of The Shining for the adult Danny uh, Torrance. So it's Danny Torrance as an adult still feeling the effects of the Overlook Hotel back when he was a kid. So what do you think about that, TJ? Uh, it could be pretty interesting. I And also what I thought was interesting was who they got to. Oh, that's play. right. I didn't mention that. So they, Danny, the adult Danny Torrance is Ewan McGregor. I mean that's sol- I mean that's that's pretty solid. That I think chops solid. to pull in for that. For sure. Well it's just interesting because um and like the article we found mentions um typically sequels to Stephen King movies are sequels that are written specifically as movies because Stephen King doesn't write sequels. Sequel books usually. Right. But this and this is not the case. So this this book came out in twenty thirteen. Yes, that was so recent. Yeah. And it's so weird that they're making a m- movie about it already. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you already have, you know, what people would consider a cinematic triumph in The Shining, I mean, I'm, they probably jumped on the opportunity to make a movie off the sequel as soon as the book came out. They're like, okay, we got to start putting this together. Because, I mean, you know how long it takes to put together. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they probably, as soon as that book came out, they probably got the gears turning, but. For sure. Yeah. Uh, what I'm curious about is, you know, Stephen King didn't like The Shining movie. No. He was not a fan. Uh, he felt that it kind of simplified Jack, the main character, and basically just turned it into like this weird, just just a straight up horror flick. When in actuality, he felt that his character in the book had many more layers to that. Right. So I'm just curious what his. I mean, obviously, he sold the rights to make the movie. Right. <laughs> so I'm just wondering how he's how he's going to feel about this one. Uh. Paycheck. It's a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, I think that's how he approaches it usually. I don't pretty think, much. I don't think he's a fan of many of the movie adaptations of his books. I, are, you, are you saying he didn't like Maximum Overdrive? 
I'm pretty sure he did not like Max. But he made it himself. <laughs> he actually did make it himself, which makes it that even more shitty. Yeah. I love the movie, just but just based on how shitty it was. All right, uh, TJ, with our next bit. Okay, so we've got our return of the singer segment here. <laughs> Brian Singer back in the news. Um, unfortunately, about the same issues he's been dealing with before. So he's preemptively denying assault accusations about him in an upcoming article by Esquire magazine. Um, basically, he's saying it's just rehashing what everybody has already tried to accuse him of. Um, you know, sexual assault against two men previously, uh, one in the late 90s and then one in 2003. And um, it's just weird because all of a sudden... On Twitter, he just puts out this—it's a preemptive strike about this article. But what's weird to me—it's so very. What's weird to me is that he's like, "Oh, they're just rehashing, you know, these other cases that we've that's already been talked about and whatever." But it's like, well, then why are you concerned about the article at all? If right? you think this—if you've already been through this with—you've already said your piece on, you know, trying to prove your innocence or whatever. In these cases, then why are you sending out some sort of weird, long, preemptive tweet thing about <laughs> this upcoming article? It just—it's not a good look. It's—it's it's so not. If it was like a it case, makes him look guilty. Oh, totally. If it was a case like a case like the article came out, and then he responded to it, it would be much less suspicious looking. But it, just the fact that he's like, oh, I know this article is coming out. I'm just gonna write this long fucking essay. <laughs> about why this like why I'm innocent and blah blah blah. Yeah, that's that dude. Come on, it's, singer. Come on. It, it's I don't know. It just it just does not. It's not a good look. That's that's really the point of the whole thing. And it's really not. And, and you know what? What I notice is what, what's really sad about this whole thing is that like he most recently did most of the directing for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And then he got kicked out of the movie, and it was finished. by I can't remember what the guy's name is who finished it, but Brian Singer. It was the guy who directed Eddie the Eagle. Right. Another biopic, but so. So, but Brian Singer will be the only guy that gets credit for directing at all in the credits. The other guys won't be in the credits at all. Really? Yes. That's, it's a, it's a director's union thing. So wait, even though this other guy is directing it, Brian Singer's Brian Singer, it will say directed by Brian Singer, and that's it. It will not mention the other guy's name. That sucks. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. That's really bad. And what's really bad about this whole thing is the fact that what Brian Singer is being accused of, he's accused of basically... Raping. Gay. Yeah. Raping, gay sexual assault, and he made a movie about Freddie Mercury, which it's... I mean, it, it, it's it's a shame because because it's like it's like you're, you're because you know obviously Freddie Mercury was an amazing talent and everything and he he had he had his own issues and you know he was one of the most you know probably prominent gay figures of the 1980s but it, it just sucks that you have someone directing this movie who then now is being charged with like you know, doing things to other men because it just looks bad. It looks bad to people who are, uh, it looks especially bad to people who are already prejudiced. You know what mm. I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's just like a tarnish on that movie. Cause I, Miami Rhapsody looks like it's going to be amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that I just wish that this, this little bit of tarnish wasn't on top of it with Brian yeah. Singer, you know? 
But I mean, that could be said for any, any, you know, any of these actors or creators that have been accused of sexual assault, like Baby Driver, Baby Driver, yeah. fucking Kevin Spacey. Such a great movie, but now it has like that little bit of stain because yep. of Kevin Spacey. Yep. Or even like, dude, and that goes for any of his other movies, like The Negotiator, fucking. Uh, Oh my god, why can't I? Usual Suspects. Yep. Fucking all these great movies that he's in has now have like a little bit of tarnish to them. It's true. So I guess that could be said for anything. Yeah, Brian Singer did, uh, what X-Men movies did he do? Uh, he did almost all of them. Yeah. Except for The Last Stand. <laughs> yeah, he did one and two. Yeah, he did the first one, he did two. And yeah. then I think he did the rest of them. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So, but, yeah, we'll see. All right, well... What do you got next? So this one is uh, quite interesting here. Little is known about this, but it looks like Chris Hemsworth is uh, wrapping filming on a Men in Black spinoff. Really? Yes. So let's take a look at what the article is saying. So it's very little is known about the movie. It is being directed by F. Gary Gray, who uh, directed films such as Straight Outta Compton. Uh, directed Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, so I think this is kind of right up his wheelhouse mm-hmm. for films. Um, little is known about the plot, but it basically it's a new crop of MIB agents who are expected to tackle a murder mystery that will send them on a multi-country journey. Uh, looks like Liam Neeson is joining the cast as the head of the UK branch. Okay. Uh, as well as Rebecca Ferguson and... I can't remember. Oh, it's an Indian guy, so I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but uh, that's all that's known is basically it's a multi-country journey for Men in Black, and it looks like uh, Liam Neeson and all those other actors and Chris Hemsworth are in it. So Interesting. I'm definitely interested. I think <clears throat> I love the first Men in Black. I thought it was great. Number two lost me a little bit. I can't even remember. I couldn't tell you the plot. Even if I tried, and then number three, I thought brought it back a little bit. So I don't know. I never saw three, so three is decent. Okay, it's it's definitely like worth a watch if you have nothing else going on. All right. So that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> uh, our next bit here. Hold on one second. Uh, okay, John Krasinski is writing the script for a sequel to A Quiet Place. Um, which just came... Was that 2017, A Quiet Place, or was that yes. this year? 2017? Yes, because it was last year, Halloween-ish? No, or was it early was this it? year? I think it was early this year. It was early this year. Jess was pregnant. Yep. Yep. Yep, it was early this year. So, yep, he's already writing a script to A Quiet Place 2. He said he's indicated in the past that he has ideas for where the movie could go. And Quiet Place producer Andrew Form has likewise offered his assurances that Krasinski would be involved in the making of A Quiet Place 2 after having directed its predecessor. Paramount clearly feels confident that the project will come together in a steady fashion, seeing as it has al- it already has A Quiet Place 2 scheduled for a May 2020 theatrical release. Well, hot damn. So they got this on the fast track, it appears. Um, yeah, I guess they, uh, they do that when they want to make more money. Uh, yeah, I mean, this <laughs> this is one of those situations that really does feel pretty cash grab to me. Yeah. Because A Quiet Place was fantastic. It I was. really liked that movie. I it was that really movie. well done, and I was really impressed with um, John Krasinski's directing. Yes. And the writing, and I mean, it was, it, it was just very good. Very entertaining watch, but I just... 
First time in a long time I've been like surprised for, oh, by for a sure. horror movie. Yeah, where it was just you didn't it didn't there was no tropes. Right. I mean it was totally everything was totally out of left field. You didn't know what was going to happen next, right? right? So I mean it but to me it felt like a movie where when it ended it should that's it. It should be done. It, yeah. it, there, I I just don't from what I've been t- from what other research I've done uh within the 4 months that we were shut down. Uh, it does seem like this is going to be taking place with a whole new family, uh, another part of the country. Okay. So it, it's all dependent. I see. Yeah. So it could. So I mean, obviously, depending on the plot, it'll. It. I think it could be interesting. You know, because with this family, mm-hmm. what I loved about A Quiet Place, it was. How can I explain this? It was almost signs esque. It was, you know, where it kind of dealt with the family and how how they dealt with the situation, right? And their dynamics. And their dynamics. So, like, you know, in in the first movie, they laid sand everywhere to muffle the sound of their footsteps yep. and so on and so forth. It'll be interesting to see how a different family, okay, yeah. handles the same situation. I can see that. So, but if they just do the same shit, like, oh, we're just gonna put sand everywhere, right? <laughs> you know, shit like that. Then, then I might be like, okay, this is bullshit. Well, and here's another thing. It says uh, Krasinski confirmed that he's writing a Quiet Place two during Q and A session at Silver Screen Theater in Los Angeles this week, and he admitted that he originally intended for a Quiet Place to be a one-off venture for him before he changed his mind. Uh, and this is the, his quote. This is what he said. I had this small idea for a sequel, but I didn't think it would go anywhere. So I said to the studio, just go do the movie with somebody else. They heard some pitches, and I told Drew Form about this little idea. And he told me to think about it a little longer. And then I thought, this might really work, so I'm currently writing the sequel. Hmm. So it seems like he had a something pretty small that he could base it off of, and I guess they've just kind of taken it and ran with it. So right. we'll just have to see how it turns out. Yeah, we'll see. Definitely. So, 2020. 2020. So, look forward to A Quiet Place 2. All right, guys. Uh, my last bit of movie news here is uh, it's quite sad. Um, so, WB has gotten rid of Ben Affleck's Batman and Henry Cavill's Superman. That it, It's kind of depressing because I actually do like Ben Affleck as Batman quite a bit. And, I th- and like, Henry... Cavill as Superman like again I've said it so many times I liked Man of Steel and I really wanted to see a Man of Steel 2 I I just don't understand what is going on I can assume for Ben Affleck Ben Affleck is because of his issues it's because of his drinking his issues yes yeah but Henry Cavill I mean there was nothing wrong with him as Superman there was nothing wrong there was something very wrong with him CGI'ing his facial hair off his face (laughs) But there was nothing wrong with Henry Cavill himself. Yeah, I know. It's so bad. You know what pisses me off about the facial? Okay. I'm just going to go on a little rant here. Sorry. So he, he, he had a mustache or a beard because he was filming Mission Impossible. They could have easily just put a fake mustache on him, and it would have looked so much better in Mission Impossible rather yep. than <laughs> like CGIing it out in Justice League. <laughs> it was so bad. It's just stupid. I don't... I don't know what the plan was there, but, yeah, it didn't work out so good. But, yeah, uh, it looks like the studios have no plans to, uh, you know, replace them yet. Um, but, I mean, 
it's just it's sad because again I liked Ben Affleck as Batman it's just we never saw him in a great movie we saw him in Justice League which I liked Mm -hmm. it was okay yeah but then he was also in Batman v Superman which pretty much bombed but the parts that really worked are the parts with Batman (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's it's, it it is sad I, I I did like Batfleck. Yes. To be honest with Batfleck you. was good. Yeah. I liked him better than Christian Bale. For sure. Well, <laughs> his, his, okay, let's put it this way. I liked him better than Christian Bale in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. I thought Christian Bale was actually very good in the first one. Yes, Batman Begins. Batman Begins, I thought he yes. was great. Batman Begins was really good. Then he got weird. Then he did get weird. All right, so that's my piece of depressing news. No plans to replace them yet, um, nope. but yeah. Go ahead, TJ. Okay, so the last piece of news here. The Flash movie delayed again. Now at least three years late. Jesus, and it's probably because of this whole Batman-Superman thing, right? I I don't know. Let's see here. Production on the Flash movie is reportedly being delayed to 2019, which means the upcoming DC Comics film won't release until 2021 at the earliest. One of the first movies that was on the Warner Brothers' initial DCEU slate in 2014 was The Flash, which was supposed to hit theaters in early 2018 before it's inevitably pushed back again and again. (laughs) Thanks to multiple changes in writers and directors, DC's movie has gone through numerous iterations and only recently landed a new set of filmmakers. Um, So it says, directors Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly boarded the project earlier this year when the movie was still said to be an adaptation of Jeff John's Flashpoint comic book story. And they were reportedly going to enter production in early 2019 in order to meet one of WB's release dates in 2020. But that was dependent on several factors. Unfortunately, as 2020 release seems to be out of the question, as the adaptation has yet another snag in development. Uh, Variety reports that the Flash movie won't begin production until late 2019 at the earliest. Jesus. Which means it will likely release sometime in 2021, perhaps even in the first part of the year as it was originally intended to do this year. The reason for the delay is reportedly because the script is still being worked on and the studio doesn't believe it will be ready in time to start production as previously scheduled. Yeah, the script is still being worked on because you keep fucking changing shit. Yeah. yeah. It, it has to be because of Batman, because Batman was supposed to be in Flashpoint. Okay, yep. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> this whole, the DC Cinematic Universe is a disaster. Like, I don't know. It really, it's so sad. It's so sad. Because DC has such good stories to work from. They have <laughs> such good material to work from. It's so, it's sad, dude. I fucking, like, we just saw the trailer for Aquaman, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. looks so cool. It looks yeah, it, so good. It does look pretty good, which is amazing because it's fucking Aquaman. Yeah. I, he talks yeah. to fish, <laughs> you know? I know. You know what's actually, uh, we'll, we, we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but um, not in this episode, but just off off air but um this aquaman movie basically to me it just looks like a live action version of uh justice league throne of atlantis sure i don't know if you've seen that one. i have i've not seen it but i remember seeing a trailer for it oh dude that movie was so good yeah it literally just looks like a live action version of that just without the justice league so i think that's a good thing yeah okay (laughs) so so yeah again so there we go flash 2021 apparently is what it's looking like now but who knows at this point they i mean they're firing directors and firing actors and right i mean god knows at this point 
Yeah, so, all right. Well, let's get into our main topic, which, again, is Halloween 2018. TJ, right off the bat, like, what were your expectations going into this movie? Expectations were low. Yes, I agree. 100% <laughs> low. Expectations are pretty low going into it, so... Um, now, the only reason, the only thing that sort of kept my interest and actually made me want to try and go see it was the fact that John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis were both executive producers on the movie. Yes. Right? Indeed. And Jamie Lee Curtis was also acting in it. Right. So, I was like, okay, well, when you get a John, when you get something with John Carpenter involved, that also means to me typically, okay, the music's probably going to be cool, too. Right. Which... It was. It was. The it music was. was. The music was fantastic. fantastic. And, you know, it said right in the credits, you know, music by, and it was John Carpenter, and I think there was two or three other people. Right. So, you know, obviously there was a team there, but he was probably the creative force there as usual. Because, I mean, it was based off of, you know, his original score from 1978. But, yeah. But um, there are variations of it thereof, and, you know, probably some new tracks in there, too, in the background that you kind of don't really... Exactly. You don't you don't actively listen to it's part of the atmosphere. Right. But they they did so well because I I remember watching the first movie the first Halloween um, And it was like the same three pieces of music. Yeah over and over it was piano piece And then Like another piece and that was it that was all you got but uh, in this movie like they took those same pieces of music and kind of fucked with them a little bit and like they did multiple different pieces on it to convey different points of like you know uh suspense and i thought that was great i thought yes. i loved it so much no the music was great but um but yeah like the point is winning expe expectations low but yes. the fact that john carpenter was involved um helped a lot because you know the other thing, too, about this movie is that they, for people who, well, if you haven't seen it, you should stop listening, of course, but. Right. Because uh, there will be spoilers, but. Totally. Um, the whole point of this movie was that they were approaching it from everything after Halloween 1 doesn't happen, has not happened. Which, but, good. Yeah. Except for, I like to, but everything else was garbage. So basically, <laughs> you throw Halloween 2 and 3 and, well, how many were there? Dude. I don't uh, too many. Too many. Okay, you throw them all out except for the first, or the original movie. From I think there might have been like fifteen movies. <laughs> so you, you throw out all those other movies. You just take the first one, and this is a direct sequel to that first movie Correct. that takes place forty years later. Yes. Um, and basically, Jamie Lee Curtis is her character is um absolutely obsessed with that what happened in nineteen seventy eight. Yes, she is. Raise her daughter to be afraid, basically. Yeah, like I, like I said, like um, almost immediately after the movie ended, I was like, it was almost like Terminator Two, because mm -hmm. you know, in Terminator One, she's like just Sarah Connor's this unexpecting person, and then all of a sudden Terminator comes to kill her, kill her and whatnot, and then in Terminator Two Judgment Day, she's like she has like military training. She's taught her son how to like t disassemble weapons and fucking load yep. guns and all this shit. Yeah, exact same thing. <laughs> so it was, it was literally almost the exact same thing, but with Michael Myers. And I, you know, I thought that was awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. So what was interesting? I I wanted to see kind of how they how they brought Michael Myers back. So I was curious to right. see how that was going to go. 
and I think they did a pretty good job. I, I think with the whole, you know, transferring him from one facility to another. Yes. And he escapes. Um, I will say that the trans that the, the, the prison bus I thought that was maybe a little bit too easy of course it was a, a, little, a little bit too easy for making the plot happen because right. it was like really they're just gonna move this like hyper dangerous guy with like no with like which they they were fully aware he had like superhuman strength Mm -hmm. And all this stuff, but they just didn't. But they just put him on a regular prison bus with a bunch of other people. It's like, eh. here's a, th and we'll get to this later on. But I think he didn't break out by himself. That I have a theory. Oh, that's a very good point. I have a theory. I, I think we'll talk. We'll talk about this. I later. know what you're getting to. I think you're absolutely correct. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think, um, yeah, it was a little cheesy, but. Um, but I, you know, it, it was kind of like a nod back to the uh, the first movie, because oh, yeah. you know when Doctor Loomis is coming to the mental hospital in the first movie, he just sees all these mental patients wandering around. And it's like, oh shit, he broke out. And then in this one, they're wandering around from the bus crash. Yeah, all these mental patients. So no, it was cool. There was there was a lot of you know, um, what's really callbacks. Yes, That's a lot of callbacks. callbacks. Not too on the nose. No, it wasn't too obvious, and there weren't too many. Right. But there was just just enough in there for you to you know get some reminders and right you know and things like that. Yes, exactly. Um, I loved. I I think the things about this movie that brought back some of the greatest parts from the original Halloween was like kind of like the faraway shots. Like in the original movie, you'll see you see like Jamie Lee Curtis walking down the street, and but then like kind of behind her, you see like Michael Myers poking out every once in a while, kind of like almost off camera, but still there. Mm -hmm. They did that so well with this movie, like Michael Myers beating some dude in the background. Oh yeah, <laughs> like in a gas station. And it was like really blurry too, so it's like you had to really be paying attention exactly to notice it. I thought they did stuff like that great. Yeah, and they and, they, and I was. I think I might have missed some of them also because just again sometime they they're not obvious. Right. So I saw I thought stuff like that was really well done. Yes. Um I will say the things I didn't like like what I what I was expecting besides for it to be bad <laughs> I was expecting <laughs> um for it to kind of just be about Lori and that's it. Like Lori Strode dealing with how to do this. Right. But then they added her daughter, which, okay, yeah, I get that. But then they added, like, this weird fucking plot line of her granddaughter and, like, her problems in high school. It's like, dude, I don't care. Yeah, and, and it added nothing to the story. It, it was kind of unfortunate because the granddaughter actually, I, I don't, I mean, she had a little bit of an effect on the plot movement, but... Barely. But barely. I mean, just, I mean, she really didn't need to be there. No, and there not were, at all. And there was, like, this whole thing with, like, her boyfriend, and they, like, went to some—they went to, like, this high school Halloween dance thing, and, like, there was some jealousy stuff, and then that was—like, I thought maybe there was going to be some sort of connection between that stuff and the rest of the plot, but then there mm -hmm. wasn't. It was just— Kind of thrown in there for time usage, right. I guess. I agree. Um, but you know what? Now that I'm kind of talking about it and thinking about it, I think it was just a way for Michael Myers to kill more people. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it yeah, seemed because like. Yeah, because then he could kill the boyfriend. He could kill the kill other the friends. friend. And then, yeah. Yeah. 
and I, oh, another another little callback when she, uh, when he killed uh, one of the granddaughter's friends, when uh, she he put the like a sheet over her head with like the two black eye the two bl- the two holes for the ghost the sheet yeah because he did that in the first movie yeah yeah that was kind of funny yeah I was like okay that's great I could do that also the comedy in this movie like okay yeah there is comedy in this movie. And I first I thought I'm like this that's like kind of weird, but it was also organic. It was organic, and I will and, and because it was specific to certain characters, it wasn't right. just randomly thrown in. It wasn't like it wasn't like it the, wasn't a comedy movie. Well, no, not even close. No. I mean, well, and it also wasn't like some of the modern superhero movies where they're just like shoehorning comedy into <laughs> scenes where it doesn't need to be exactly. and the shoehorning comedy out of characters that wouldn't be funny. Right. And in this case, the char- the, the, the the comedy was coming from a place where it seemed to make sense. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think probably the most comedic character was the one friend who gets killed because, I mean, he's like drunk as hell and... Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. in that. He's in that guy. He's in that yard, and he thinks <laughs> yeah. that Michael Myers is like the neighbor. The, the neighbor, but he's the not. yard. He's yeah, you know. crossing through. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty great. So that was pretty cool. So the black I, kid was funny. Oh yeah, he was funny. He, he he was he was he's like just like he was clipping his nails. He's like my nasty ass feet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like I know you're gonna come here and smoke weed. Like, it's like no, no, we're not talking about that. He's like no, I know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> uh, that was that was pretty great. Um, let me, uh, I totally had a point that I just lost. I hate when that happens so much. What other points do you have? Um, well, besides like the, like I say, went over the music, went over the comedy aspect. Um, okay. Okay. I I got, yeah. So did it seem to you that like in the first movie, right? Um, Michael Myers kind of like had a purpose. He knew where he was going. He wanted to kill his sister. So in like he, everything he did kind of was leading up to killing his sister. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, it just seemed like sometimes he was like randomly going to house to house. I thought the same thing. Killing people. <laughs> well, and what's weird is that they actually touched on that subject in the movie. Like the... The doctor guy, you know, he's just like, you know, there's something that makes him keep going. And, you know, he thinks it's Lori. He thinks he's oh. because Lori that's keeping him going. So he's got to Lori. But the thing is, like, but but his path doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's like he's fucking zigzagging. It's kind of he's just kind of randomly killing people for like no reason. Yeah, like he just walked into a woman's house because his original because he's like in the original, like he, he killed people who stood in his way. Kind of. Or he, like, he actually, like, when, uh, well, he didn't kill people that was in his way. He killed people he knew were attached to Laurie Strode because he was following them when they were walking to school. Right. So he knew who her friends were. Right. And so on and so forth. But in this one, like, he's just killing, Michael Myers is killing the granddaughter's friends. He's never fucking seen them. Yeah. How the fuck does he know? Yeah, he doesn't know. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's seemingly random. And then also, well, no, he's at the gas station. He kills the gas station attendant. Yeah. And then he kills the two podcaster well, people. Well, that's because they had his mask. Okay. That I get. Yeah. But the but the, the gas station guy and the mechanic? Like yeah, he wanted he, he need, I think he had the smarts to know he can't wa- walk around in this white mental institution outfit. 
I guess. That's why he killed the gas station guy. Uh, so he take his clothes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he took his, like, you know. Yeah. Mechanics uniform. Okay. So that part, I mean, that was fine. The podcaster's fine. Yeah, and by the way, like, that scene in the trailer with the guy holding up uh, his mask. and Yeah, those are podcasters, <laughs> which like, I found so weird. They call themselves investigative journalists. They were doing one of those investigative, you know, podcast things where they, like, expo they try to, like, you know, investigate previously, like, either cold cases or... Right. Or whatever, and they were English for some reason. Right. I, I, I don't know why. Like, the, I don't know why they were English. I don't know There's either. absolutely no explanation for that, but anyways, so they, you know, try to meet Lori, and she's yeah. basically, they're, they're basically like, oh, well, there's, what's, what, there's probably more to the story, right? And she's like, no. <laughs> no. There's really no more to the story. The guy's pure evil. Like, he's just like this giant, he's like a monster. There's no... Yeah. There's no more to the story. And exactly. Then, and then she's like, I'll take my $3,000, get out of my house, <laughs> right. which was awesome. That was pretty great. That was pretty good. Uh, so let's get to the part um, that, that I really didn't get. It was super weird. It just seemed like it was thrown in at the last minute. So there's basically a new Dr. Loomis Yeah. in this in this movie. It's uh, the the doctor that's been taking care of. Michael Myers for the past 40 years inside this mental institution. Well, for the, for the past, like, 15 or 20. Oh, like yeah. Because Loomis passed away. Yeah, that's right. Loomis passed. My bad. So, um, and and actually, what was it was pretty funny. Lori made a joke, like, oh, you're the new Dr. Loomis then. Uh -huh. um, so she actually said that, and I was like, ah, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> He's so he was on the bus where Michael Myers was being transported and escaped, and he's like, you know, he gets off the bus and he's trying to help with the investigation, trying to decide, you know, trying to help where Michael Myers would go. So the sheriff, he's with the sheriff, and they're in the sheriff's car, and they see Michael Myers walking down the road after tracking them down, and so the sheriff hits him with the car. And they get out of the car, both the doctor and the cop, and the sheriff's like, basically, I'm going to kill this guy. And the doctor's like, please don't, like, you know, hold on, blah, blah, blah. And then he fucking just, a big spoiler, guys, the doctor just, like, takes this, like, knife scalpel. pen thing. Yeah, the scalpel. the scalpel. And just kills the sheriff for no, like, it was so weird. And then he takes off Michael Myers' mask because he's passed out, and he's like... Trying to be the new Michael Myers for like three seconds. For like three, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like he put the and he's like, "Oh, this is what." So this is what it feels like, Michael. Uh, right. Then he puts on the mask for like yeah, twenty seconds, and then puts, was, yeah, and then puts Michael in the back with the granddaughter. It yeah, it is so weird. Like that part, I didn't. That part was too weird. I mean, I mean, I think what they're going for was that like the doctor's obsession has gone way too far. Yeah, and like he because he was obsessed with figuring out how Michael Myers thinks he and thought, so on and so he forth. He thought the only way that he could prevent Michael Myers from being killed by the police was for him to kill the kill the deputy first. Yeah, I guess it was just so weird. I don't know. It, it didn't. I don't think it needed to be in there. It was so not organic. But that's now what I was saying before. My theory about how Michael Myers escaped. I think the doctor helped yeah, him escape. Exactly. Yeah. And well, especially because 
when the doctor is found in the bus, he's unharmed. Yeah, he's unharmed. Yeah. He gets shot by that random kid mm-hmm. because he pops out and he says, don't shoot, and he gets shot anyway. Yeah, it's just out of surprise. Out but of, yeah. yeah, but he was unharmed up until that point, so that makes me think that, yeah, he was the one that kind of facilitated that Facilitated that, escape. that whole thing. Yeah, which, I mean, thinking back, because, that's kind of cool. Because right, later on he says, you know, oh, I never got to see him in an open environment. Right. You know, how he exited open environment. So that's what he was doing. Like, his, his obsession has gone so far mm-hmm. that he wanted to let him escape so he could see what happens. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I get it, and it, but it was just so weird. Yeah, it was kind of. It was kind of. The the scene felt very forced. It's like you have to know that's not going to work out for you, right? Like he's not going to be appreciative. No. (laughs) Well, and then Michael. I mean, how much? How long? How much longer does the doctor last after that? Maybe ten minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Because so Michael Myers was hit by the car, and he dragged Michael Myers into the backseat of the car, and he's. And he's like, I forget. He said he like he wanted to study him some more, so he was like gonna tie him down. And he's like, oh, he'll be passed out until then. And then obviously he wasn't. Yeah, he wakes up. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, he, he wakes up and then he base he just rips the whole cage thing out in the back of the police car. Yeah. Bashes the doctor's head in until he falls out of the car and then he stomps his head. Yeah. Into mush. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really go after the granddaughter, I noticed, at that part. Well, I mean... I think as he was, I think he just gets very focused on one person at a time. Yeah. So he's yeah, going that's to doctor. Because then he did start going after the granddaughter, like, after, yeah. I think. Cause, but, but it took him a while to, like, kind of change his attention. But. Of course. That's, so, that's the thing about him. He's super strong, but he's slow. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's just a, his normal trope. Right. But... Uh, so, so all that happens, like him escaping, and he kills this doctor. You know, obviously, you knew that was going to happen. Yep. Um, Lori's granddaughter escapes. Here's the thing: I call her Lori's granddaughter. I don't know her fucking name. I think it was like Allison or something like I'm that. Sure, I'll take your word for it. It's <laughs> not an A. <laughs> but um, you know, obviously, you knew that was going to happen, and she's running off into the woods, and then all this takes you back to Lori Strode's house, right? Yep. So, I gotta say, this is this was probably my favorite part in the whole movie. Was the all trap the trap house? Sh- yes, the, the trap, trap house, house was fucking cool, dude. So good, Ev- so well. Every done. single room had had a cage door, yep. like a security, like a sliding security door, like you see at the mall. Yeah, <laughs> like but one of those really thick ones. Yeah. Every single room, she would search each room individually for Michael Myers, and then she would hit the button and it would shut. Yep. <laughs> And then she had her her kitchen island would spin around to reveal a trap door a tra- basement a, a, a door the stairs to a basement for under in which she had an armory. Yep. And she had, well, the security cameras were in the kitchen upstairs. Yeah. She had security cameras. She had giant floodlights like stadium lights. Yep. Attached to the top of the house that she could turn on. I mean, it was crazy. It was so good. Front doors barricaded. It was so well done. And then the way they used the basement at the end was so brilliant. Yes. They they actually got him. They actually knocked him down into the basement. They tricked him into going down there. Well, before that, I, I mean, before we get to that, there was. So she's going room to room, trapping, shutting all the trap doors, so on and so forth. But then she actually confronts him in one of the rooms. He's in a room full of mannequins and shit. Um, and this is a, one of my favorite, like, little callbacks they did was... 
She gets knocked off the balcony and she's lying on the ground. Michael turns away for like a second because he hears a noise, looks back, and she's no longer on the ground anymore. I was like, oh, yes. I turned to you the in tables. the yeah. I said, I literally said the tables have turned. <laughs> yes, I was so pumped. That was really awesome. <laughs> I was so excited. That was so, that was so funny. <laughs> I was so happy. I was, dude, ear to ear smiles. I was so happy. And then... Then it goes to the daughter. Now, the daughter of Lori Strode has hated Lori for her whole life because she, you know, she thought her mom was crazy. She thought her mom was living in the past and um, so on and so forth. She feels like she ruined her childhood. Her daughter's played by Judy Greer, by the way. Jo yes, Judy Greer. Correct. Which once I realized it weirded me out because I just heard Cheryl from Archer's voice. <laughs> it was weird. And so um, Michael Myers is trying to get to that little trap door under the island, kitchen island. And Judy, you know, Judy pulls out the shock, pulls out the rifle. It's got her initials on it. Yes. Yes. Pull, pulls out the rifle. She's like aiming. He knocks the door off. Um, and he's not, not coming into view. And I thought this part was great. It was she, so good. She she's calling out to Lori Strode, her mom, and she's like, "Mom, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm not strong enough." Blah blah blah. He comes into view, and she's like, "Gotcha!" Bam! I was like, "Oh shit!" I think mean, she headshotted him too. I think it was like in the neck, but it was yeah, in the neck, yeah, yeah, knocked him right back. I mean. <laughs> and then Lori was waiting behind him to stab the, the shadows, shit out of him. In the shadows, I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> It was awesome. That was so brilliant. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, yeah, he gets the no Lori knocks him down into the basement, and then they all try to escape. He he gets a grab on the granddaughter's leg. Yeah, I believe, but they get him to slip back. No, it was the mom's leg. It was and the mom's then leg. The, and right. then the granddaughter like took the knife and stabbed his hand. Oh, and then she, that's right. Yes. And then he let go. He falls back down the stairs. And then this part blew me away. <laughs> Literally. I, yeah, they, they, no, they hit another, they, they move a lever and all these spikes then go over the trap door that leads to the basement so he can't get out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he's stuck underneath, like, like in a cage. And then they fire up all of these gas lines that are all over the house. Yep. <laughs> along with these heating elements that heat up right next to them. Yep. And they like to go, and they leave the house, and they just blow up the entire house. Yes. With natural gas with him in the basement. So good. It was like, that was fantastic. Now, I kind of had a feeling, like, so everyone said, oh, there's an end credit when end credit scene, but there really wasn't. And, and we well, you saw online that it said... Uh, an end of credits moment, which I yeah. which is a correct term. It is a correct. It's an end credits moment, and all you hear is Michael Myers breathing through the mask. That's all you hear. You, you don't even see anything. It's a, and it's at the very very it's end at the, of the credits. Very very end, and you hear it for like three seconds. Yeah. So, it kind of led me to believe that already because you know they're. They lit the gas. They start running away. Then in, like, slow motion, you see, like, the fire gathering and all this shit. There is a scene, you know, a shot from the basement, and all of a sudden Michael Myers isn't down there anymore. Mm -hmm. So I kind of figured that was going to be the case anyway. Of course. And, but, but, I mean, that's just classic horror movie, Right. Because, I mean, you're not going to be, like, always oh, dead. Right. Exactly. You know, I don't think that means that they're going to do anything more with it. It just means that it's it's just a typical horror movie ending, you know, right. it's classic. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, oh, he's dead, but is he really? <laughs> right. You know, like. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, I, you know, and yeah, I, I hear you. Um, 
I did read something recently where they basically said, you know, we don't have we didn't have any plans to do a second one after this. But you never know, basically, is what right. they said. I mean, if there's interest, you know, studio- and if they can make it good, yeah, go ahead. I do wish they didn't title it Halloween, though. Yeah, because now there's three different ho- there's original Halloween, Rob Zombie Halloween, two thousand. Five. Yeah, but you, it's always just referred to Rob Zombie Halloween. Right. And then, <laughs> and then, what am I supposed? It's just Halloween 2018. Yeah. Why could you? It's just, confusing. It's is it, yeah. I wish they would have picked. Well, a different title. I, I think we almost throw out the Rob Zombie ones. I mean, we should, <laughs> but, but, but I, you still I, have I, to be I, specific of which one you're yeah, talking about. I mean, I guess I I would say that. Prob- I wish it just would like Halloween the Return. Done. Yeah. yeah. You that that would have been fine. That would have been perfect. Right. Something like that. Something simple. Just Yes. Uh, That's just be, oh me well. being nitpicky, though. That's just me, yeah, me being nitpicky. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't mind doing an, uh, having another one, though, if it's as good. Yeah. No, um, I was impressed. No, like I said, we went in, low expectations. Totally. Came out pretty impressed. Yes, indeed. It, it, was, it was pretty good. And um, Jamie Lee Curtis was awesome. Mm-hmm. Judy Greer was actually really good. Um, right. The guy who played the dad was actually pretty good. Oh yeah. Even if he was kind of a throwaway character, <laughs> he like, totally was. He, like he could die. He was fo- he he was cannon fodder for sure. Oh for sure. But um, but I mean he 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 did a good pretty good job. Um, I mean the guy who played the sheriff deputy. He was good. Right. Um, just good acting all, all around. Oh yeah, for sure. I um, was totally impressed yeah, with good, the acting portions. Yeah. Yeah. Good good direction. De- uh-huh. Decent writing, uh, great music, good acting. So yes, and also uh, for those who are unaware, this was actually helped written by Danny McBride, which like that just <laughs> blew me away. And if you eastbound and down, Danny McBride, yeah, you know Danny McBride from all the stupid like Pineapple Express and uh, This Is the End and all those you know Seth Rogen, James Franco movies. You you know that he wrote the drunk kids. I don't think scene. I've ever seen the drunk kids. No 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 no. I'm talking about in the movie in Halloween. Oh. The drunk. Oh yeah yeah. He totally. Oh uh, gotcha. Yeah. He wrote the. He parts. wrote that part. Yes. You okay. know he wrote that part. Yep. <laughs> totally. Because it was just so ridiculous. And he totally wrote the line for the black kids saying he has nasty ass feet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. But uh, I, I dude yeah I would say this is. It, this surprised the hell out of me. I'm glad I saw it. Me too. I, I'll definitely too. like own it yeah. at some point. Yeah, it's so. a good movie. Much, so much better than the Rob Zombie crap. Oh, dude. The only accolade I give the Rob Zombie Halloween, like the original, the remake, is the fact that like he kind of showed Michael Myers' life within the mental institution, like as a sure. kid. Sure. And he and he didn't like overdo it. It wasn't like a large portion of the movie. It was maybe like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, that was cool. And that was fine because you kind of saw the mental decline of Michael Myers. Yeah, but then it was kind of offset by all the unnecessary like, oh, sexual nudity scenes. It's like, really? Right. This is a time and a place. Exactly. And it wasn't there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I hear you, dude. All right. Uh, so I actually do have a listener mail. Finn. Well, we we did have four months to gather some, so. Uh, I didn't gather many. Okay. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> But uh, I do have some. So this one is coming from Stephanie, and she's actually written us before. This is a long one, Stephanie. You want me to read all of this? Jeez. All right. 
Hello. After listening to your two-part Marvel show, I decided to get my life together and finally watch these movies. (laughs) (laughs) But because of my struggle with OCD, I have to watch them in chronological order. Not release date, but storyline order. This includes the TV series like Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, good luck with that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, have fun with good that luck. one. Even with the just with the movies, good luck. Yeah, well, I mean, the movies release in chronological order. There's no prequel movies in this. With Marvel? Yeah. What X Men? Okay, that's different. Mar- that's that's Fox X Men. That's Fox Marvel. Okay, so we're talking the other Marvel, like just Disney Marvel. Got I'm it. pretty sure she means Disney Marvel because Fox Marvel has mm-hmm. nothing to do with Disney Marvel. Um, so uh, currently, I just finished Thor: The Dark World, and I have questions <laughs> okay <laughs> so the bifrost is fixed and i don't believe that they show showed how it was fixed when thor took loki home at the end of avengers with the tesseract i can see how it would be possible to fix but then how did thor get to earth in the first place for the avengers i'm assuming you mean at the beginning of the avengers stephanie uh, and if he had the ability to come to Earth without the Bifrost, you're going to tell me he couldn't even stop in to say hello to Natalie Portman? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> As I continue to watch, I'm sure I will have more questions, but your help is always appreciated. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, so, Stephanie, let's, uh, you, have, you do have questions, that is for sure. Uh, so let me just reread. When Thor took Loki home at the end of Avengers with the Tesseract, I could see how it would be possible to fix. But then how did Thor get to Earth in the first place for the Avengers? So uh, what if you actually listen closely, I think I remember it was right after Thor gets to Earth um, and Loki like kind of crash lands down to the ground with Thor. Uh, Loki makes a comment like, oh, how much dark magic did the Aura Father have to conjure to get you here? So, I mean, mm. that's kind of like how he got there. Right. The, you know. Um, let's see. And so the Bifrost was still broken at that time. Uh, he couldn't stop in to see, say hello to Natalie Portman. Eh, it's just because they didn't want to pay Natalie Portman for a role in the Avengers movie. That's it. Yeah, there's there's no story explanation for that. No. <laughs> I mean, that's just one of the things you have to accept. Yeah. I mean, nothing else will help you there. Money. Money. And I'm pretty sure she was done with that movie for quite a, I mean, she's been I, I don't think she's been in a movie since The War of the Dark World, if I'm not mistaken. She's not in nearly as much as she used to be. No. She's a little cho- more choosy with her roles now, I think. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but you, that's just how movies go. But yeah, listen closely in Avengers, and you know, figure out how we got to Earth, Stephanie. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Seriously, thanks for the email, though. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I love, you actually have some of the best worded emails because they're just super fun to read. So I appreciate that, Stephanie. Keep them rolling. Um, that's all I got for this episode. So for myself and TJ, we want to thank you for listening to Cinema from the Dark Side, and we will see you next time.